0: Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Bree Larson. She's a psychotherapist at Counseling at the Core. Bree, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, excited to have you. So, Bree, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Um, so yeah, um so yeah, like you said, I'm a psychotherapist. I have a background in uh, psychology consulting. Um before that, I worked for a personal development program um that was uh, international from uh, the United States and Canada yeah, I offer um just regular mental health counseling and therapy uh, both online and in person. And I also do um trauma. Coaching as well, so I dabble into the coaching realm with um, a lot to do with mental health, ADHD, uh, trauma, PTSD,
0: stress, anxiety, all of those fun things. So, yeah, yeah. that's a lot. There, you've got a very wide specialty, I hear. Um, so, <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about kind of how you found yourself at counseling at the core.
1: Yeah, so like I said, I uh, years ago worked for a personal development program. Um, I, I guess you'd say it, it started for me when I was in high school. Uh, my high school offered psychology courses. And then from there, uh, you could also take the advanced placement to do your first year of university while you're still in high school. Yeah. And that appealed to me just to get ahead of of the curve and whatnot. So I took the, um, my first year of psychology courses and uh, my high school and then continued on in university. And it just fascinated me that you could figure out how human beings operate, you know, what hinders them, what motivates them and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I, I really feel like I had a lot of figuring out to do with myself. And in doing so, I was just kind of able to to garner a, a wide variety of knowledge that could help others as well. And being a helper is in my nature. So it, it just kind of fit together perfectly. Uh, so that I went on to work for that personal development um, seminar for seven years or so. Um, and then over COVID and whatnot, they kind of got dismantled, you know, in-person experiential seminars were, <laughs> weren't permitted at that time. So it gave me a, a nice transition to switch over to um, counseling and therapy. Yeah. Uh, and then I went private practice uh, and my, uh, my home office is the core. Um, so offering both, like I said, the uh, therapeutic services for um, therapy and, and counseling that's covered by benefits and insurers. Um, okay. But also, if you don't have that, um, I also offer that trauma counseling or sorry, trauma coaching. Yeah. That, um, yeah, I, my style tends to to differ from most therapists. A lot of therapists are this just there to hold space for you. They're just there to, um, you know, be someone for you to vent to in a safe environment that is confidential and not going anywhere. Um, and a lot of the time they... Their focus is on allowing you to find your own answers. My experience has been that if you're you're coming to a counselor, it's because you don't know what the answers are. You want to know what some options are for you to try uh, to get past whatever hurdle is is you know stopping you at that yeah. point. So, yeah, uh, I tend to be a little bit more direct, a little bit more um, assertive in my answers and whatnot. And so far, my my clients seem to appreciate that approach. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So are your clients, are they kids? Are they adults? Talk to me a little bit about kind of who you see.
1: Yeah. So um, my demographic is typically 18 plus. I will see um, teenagers if they tend to be a little bit more mature and they're dealing with, um, you know, things that aren't interpersonal kind of issues when it comes to developmental challenges. Um, But if it has to do with, if, if there's like a 15, 16, 17 year old that's got trauma or, PTSD or OCD or whatnot um and they're able to adopt and follow um you know sort of procedures for Mm -hmm. for ways to get that then I can work with them but typically I do work with mostly adults um I have a lot of people who have trauma and PTSD that's my my specialty Um, a lot of people that have been through therapy before and just find that they're getting stuck or that talk therapy itself isn't working for them um a lot of people who um you know, are really stuck in the somatic experience of trauma and whatnot. There's a lot of things that happen throughout your body where trauma gets stuck, stress gets stuck, and you end up with muscle aches. You end up with, um, you know, certain uh, diseases and whatnot that tend to develop from chronic stress, chronic cortisol um, reabsorption and whatnot. So, um, you know, mostly adults that are really in the, the realm of being pretty stuck um, but then I also get, you know, I'd say your your average couples that are having inter interpersonal issues with their relationship, that sort of thing, um, or just regular stresses of, you know, day to day life. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it all boils down to um, fairly similar um, issues that it's a fairly similar way that you get through them um, when it comes to trauma coaching. So and what do you mean by that? So, um, if you know anything about the nervous system, trauma is stored in your nervous system, um, and the somatic therapies that I teach my clients is the number one way to rid yourself of your reaction and get out of activation and into rest. Um, and if you can retrain your nervous system to do that, you can pretty well eliminate a lot of um, a lot of the symptoms, yeah. which are coming across as the issues and whatnot. Uh, most people can can notice where things are in their way or when they're having some um you know a reaction to something or they're they're having something that they don't like but they don't really know how to find their way to what the actual origin of it is yeah and there's a lot of people and especially as of lately a lot of people self-diagnosing as ADHD when they're just they they don't have the actual chemical imbalance to account for clinical ADHD, but they are having um, activation types of responses of their nervous system, which to the untrained eye come, comes across as ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, in reality, you're dealing with something uh, that's stressing your nervous system and you're reacting in a way that's either hypervigilant or trouble focusing or what have you, um, and you're you're missing the mark. So you could be medicating something that you don't actually have and it's causing you more issues in your life than what you actually realize your body will then go into uh, no longer creating the dopamine that you're looking for because you're giving yourself a synthetic hit of it every time you take your medication in the morning and you're creating more of a deficit more of a problem for yourself so actually getting in and and learning the holistic somatic ways to calm your nervous system not only can save you (laughs) the cost of the medication but it can save you time and years on your life, because if you end up dealing with all of the extra side effects that happen when you take undue medications and what have you, then, um, yeah, it can end up being more detrimental than good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So kind of talking about counseling on the core, I, you've got phenomenal insight, and I appreciate you sharing all of that, because certainly I think a lot of our listeners aren't well-versed in the nervous system or kind of understanding why things work the way that they are and kind of your mind and body reactions to your environment. So I appreciate you kind of like breaking that down for us. But how have you, besides from being, you know, great, how have you been able to grow counseling at the core?
1: Yeah, so I have been offering uh, counseling at the core now for a year out of this office. Um, and honestly, the interwebs is a fantastic place. <laughs> um I'm... I find that most of my referrals come from within my office the the majority of them come from within my office mm-hmm. uh, and then from there i get quite a few people who follow me on tiktok um and then i'd say the other handful of them come from either random referrals from word of mouth or whatnot and on psychology Today, psychology today if you're on um if you're looking for a counselor and you want one that's in your area psychology today lists them by region Um, If you don't need to utilize benefits and you're paying out of your own pocket, then you can search through Psychology Today and find whoever it is that will fit your needs the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So what would you say one of the biggest challenges that your clients have before they meet you? Is it kind of just overall, you know, not necessarily understanding certain things or, you know, needing someone to talk to? Talk to me about some of the main challenges that you see
1: yeah, I would say that there's a couple that come up pretty um pretty regularly. The first one being just not never having spoken to someone else about their their problems before. Um, just the stigma around mental health is still very real. Um, I find that baffling <laughs> being who I am, i I absolutely love honest, vulnerable, um, in-depth conversation. So for me, I don't find that personally. But definitely a lot of my clients, um, upon their first visit, they've either spoken to one counselor one time before and didn't really do anything with it, or they felt uncomfortable for whatever reason, um, or, you know, there were coworkers making fun of them, especially if you're male. It, it seems like the stigma is still very much real for them. Women have kind of surpassed it um, a little bit faster, I think, than the men have. But, you know, we're, we tend to be creatures who like to communicate <laughs> more so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Yeah. And other than that, I would say it's just, honestly, they don't know where to look. They have no idea where to find the answers or what they're looking at. So um, yeah, my biggest piece of advice for anyone who's looking for an affordable way to just kind of start to figure themselves out is read. Read as much as you can. Read books, read self-help books, listen to podcasts, just consume the knowledge any way that you can. Audiobooks, same thing, you know, any way that you can get more information in is always going to better your situation. The more you know, the better you can grow. Um, and the next part is develop impeccable self-awareness. If you can figure out how your body is trying to talk to you, and actually tune into it, you know where to you know where to focus your energy on, uh, you know, making tweaks and
0: figuring out why you operate the way you do. So kind of talking about stigmas, what would you say the biggest misconception that people have either about counseling at the core or mental health in general, um, what, would you, what would you say that would be or seeking help rather even too? Um, that there's something wrong with you.
1: By far, that is probably the, the worst stigma I've ever heard of is that, well, you're going to talk to someone. What's wrong with you? Like nothing. Nothing. I'm just a flawed human. We're supposed to be flawed. We're, su- we're if we're, we would all be exactly the same. And how boring a world would that be? That would mean that there's no artists out there. There's no music to be made, you know? Like, which, which um, path do we follow if you're going to deem there to be some form of normality out there? Yeah. Yeah. If the fact that we're diverse and that we're different means that we're all going to hit different challenges at different times. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Also, we're we're meant to be communal. We're meant to communicate with each other. We're meant, that's why that, that saying exists, it takes a village to raise a child because it takes more than one person to shape your perspective around how you live your life and what you're doing in this world. So talking to someone and getting um, a more general opinion on, am I doing things right? Am I, have I gone far off course? All, all you're doing in therapy is just gaining clarity on what you already want for your life. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of figuring out, you know, you, you probably have an idea. You just need to, you need a little bit of help, like pruning the hedges around. Well, th- this is just fluff. Let's get down to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, being able to utilize, um, the psychologists near me kind of that psychologist today to figure out like yeah. their psychotherapy, their psychotherapist around you. Why, why would someone choose to come to you? What, what differentiates you from, from other psychotherapists in the area?
1: Yeah. So like I said, I do operate fairly different. Um, typically when you go and see a counselor or a therapist, like I said, they would uh, they would hold space for you, which means that they're there to give you their undivided attention and their unconditional positive regard, which means regardless of what you say you've done, I can I can see a, a reason or a way that it got you got to that point and you justified it for yourself. And I'm not gonna judge you for that. You know, everyone has done things that they regret or that they wish they hadn't done or that they're not proud of. We've all got things in our past that we wish we could take back. Some of them are big, some of them are small. It doesn't really matter. We're not comparing you to anyone. Um, we're just here to help you, again, to figure out, well, how did it get there? Yeah. Do we want to prevent that in the future or do we want to just tweak it a little bit so that it can work for you and your benefit? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I said, most therapists are just going to hold the space for you to vent to them and help you to figure it out a little bit. I have more of a coaching perspective where i tend to be a little bit more direct mm-hmm. um i still have uh compassion and empathy for people um and you're gonna feel that from me yeah. but i'm also yeah. i'm also going to call you on the areas where i see that you've widely stepped out of line mm-hmm. uh if you are the type that you deal well with the a type assertive personalities uh that is i <laughs> and so um i also give homework um i I want people to gain as much value from the sessions as possible. I don't want to just be someone who sees you and you're, you're just another paycheck for me, right? Like I care about my clients and I want them to get the most benefit in a timely manner as well. So if I see that I can give you, um, you know, a book and an exercise and, um, you know, an assignment to do after our session, um, You spend the majority of time outside of our sessions. You only spend 50 minutes typically within a session with me, and you're not going to change your entire self in a 50 minute per week session. You're going to do the majority of the work actually in practice out in the real world after the fact. So, um, yeah, I tend to be just a little bit more hands on, a little bit more assertive than your typical therapist.
0: And why do you think it's so important that you are so active online and like encouraging people to engage with different mediums outside of your office?
1: Um, I think honestly the the online portion of it um for me it keeps me relevant. um, I like to know what are people dealing with right now and and it's it's going to be different as we develop as society grows and whatnot because the things that we dealt with even just ten years ago, some of those are no longer relevant anymore so if I'm still studying the same thing to try and solve that problem, I've made myself irrelevant mm-hmm. uh, if you stay in touch with what the masses are doing um At least I can stay fairly relevant to uh, the clientele that I prefer to serve, which, um, you know, I'd say about 20, 30 years ago, there was a lot of people in PTSD land that were coming out of, um, you know, the military and whatnot. Now, the majority of people with PTSD are coming out of narcissistic relationships. So that's a very wide switch from what was to now what is. Mm -hmm. And if you're not online, if you're not staying relevant, then... I would still be studying based on the military, servicemen and women.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, like you said, the trends of what you see have changed. And I imagine too, COVID has had an effect on the different mental health things that you've seen change over the past, even the past few months.
1: COVID was actually super fascinating from a psychology standpoint because there was quite a lot of people who were masking, which means that they they were essentially acting a certain way to garner whatever attention it is that they wanted while doing a disservice to who they truly were. There was a lot of people masking that had an opportunity to finally take that off and stop doing the activities that weren't really serving them, that they were pulling out the effort from a place that didn't actually exist. And they, got, they finally got a break. The introverts finally had permission to introvert. Mm-hmm. And then the exact opposite, where if you found that you were fairly extroverted or you did um, thrive in social settings and whatnot, you had to figure out a way to do that from home. And so making people ultra creative in the way that they took care of themselves um, was fascinating to watch. Um, like I said, the the beginning one for me, I found to be the most fascinating of just giving people permission to actually be those quieter individuals or those people that preferred to stay home, homebodies and whatnot. Uh, that one for me, I found to be just, I loved that part of, I mean, COVID itself obviously was horrendous. No one loved it. But if you're going to have the silver linings and whatnot, that would be my favorite part of COVID.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I imagine too, so I find it also very interesting. And not that I'm looking forward to seeing the effects of COVID over the next generation, two generations or like longitudinally, but I think it'll be very interesting to see.
1: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So it affected um, businesses and whatnot, you know, the majority of people maybe not the majority, but for those two years or so, the majority of people went remote. And there's a lot of that that was beneficial that has stuck around. I would say that probably 80% of my sessions are virtual. Yeah. Uh, only 20% are in person, whereas it was the opposite beforehand. You know, Right. Remote sessions were only just coming in. Um, a handful of service providers offering that. Um, now being able to access counseling, mental health services, literally from wherever I have international clients, some in Costa Rica, some in the United States, some in Canada, Um, some when they travel, they still keep in contact. That I find that to be a a blessing that thank you again from COVID.
0: Yeah. 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 So it's made counseling more accessible, more relevant um, and more accepted, I would say.
1: I would say it also, yeah, it opened the door
0: to talk about mental health issues because
1: absolutely everyone was going squirrely at the beginning. So we had to introduce, like, "Hey, are you feeling a little bit weird?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone, and yeah, it, it, it did open the door for the stigma to be. Um, I'd say it brushed off a lot of the, a lot of that, absolutely.
0: So, Brie, kind of as we wrap up, if you wanted to leave our listeners with one piece of information, either about mental health counseling, psychotherapy, counseling at the core, what would you want to leave our listeners with? One thing? Oh, jeez. How about two?
1: <laughs> There's so many. I mean, like I said, just consume as much knowledge as possible. If you, um, you don't necessarily... Okay, I'll I'll talk about labels. A lot of people are anti-label. They're afraid that they're going to be labeled as something. They're going to be labeled anxious. They're going to be labeled borderline. They're going to be labeled as a narcissist, what have you. Um, Don't be afraid of the label. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't mean, number one, it doesn't mean it's permanent. And number two, it's not a life sentence. Uh If you do receive a label, all that means is that you've now got a name of something that you can buckle down and garner more information gather more information on how you can help yourself to live a better life live an easier life um you can find the ways that other people who have the same condition as you have gone wrong and how they fixed it you know there might be something that's super simple that if you know what what it is that you're dealing with then you can mm-hmm. you know it's just it just makes it a lot easier to figure yourself out yeah um, in the same sense I also want to caution against self-labeling because just because you found something that you think fits doesn't mean it technically does. There's a lot of um, overlapping symptoms um, and I said one of them earlier. So borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder have a lot of overlapping symptoms. Mm-hmm. They're not the same thing though. And if you mislabel yourself as one and not the other, you could be missing out on the whole category. So just make sure that you... um are not self-labeling, what is not obviously uh, or potentially something else and make sure that you're um, at least go for the diagnosis with a trusted professional, Um, doesn't mean that you you have to stick with them and and do the work that way if it's, you know, out of pocket or whatnot, then again, turn to books, turn to um, YouTube, turn to all the self-help options that are free or almost free, Um, make sure that that
0: diagnosis is correct first. Yeah, yeah. And I think you raised a bunch of really good points about being okay with labels, but not self-labeling. And I think it's really important to have that, you know, that difference, um, but also know that you have people like you to reach out to, to be able to coach you through this, to be able to, you know, talk you through what you may be feeling, because although it's not normal, it's... You know, we're living in a world of new normal. That's what somebody called it before. So kind of living with that new normal um, and having resources like you that they know they can reach out to, having, you know, consuming different knowledge, consuming different media is so important. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brie, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on Business Ninjas today. Um, This has been a really great conversation about psychotherapy and counseling at the core. Uh, So I appreciate you again. Thank you so much. Yeah.